Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Honored to be with you today and your missions focus. And I have some prayer cards out on at a little table out there in the lobby area. And I'll try to be there afterwards as well if you have any questions or just want to say hello. But feel free to grab a prayer card and just uh, think of us whenever you can. And uh, uh, your, your church is 30 years old and 30 years la- uh, and um, last year, I think it was. And had the same pastors the entire time. That's really cool. Doesn't happen every time. So I just want to honor them and let you be know that it's not always, everybody doesn't have that, that um, advantage of having the same pastor in a church for 30 years. So let's give them a hand as well and honor them as well. Pastor Robin and Ke- Kevin. And so it's just, and of those 30 years, 23 years, you've supported us. So I want to say thank you for that support you've given to us. So I want to tell you a little about what we've done, and that gives context to the message as well, because you'll be interwoven in what I talk about. So I grew up in a great missions church. The pastor would always say something like this, so don't anybody amen this statement, because then I don't want you to be embarrassed, because it's not totally good. But he would say something like, God has raised up America to win the world. So that statement has some truth to it, in the sense that God used America, as well as Sweden and Canada and Norway and Finland and a couple others, but because we're so much larger, our impact was larger. And if you took away a hundred years of of, a, of north of Western missions, there'd be a huge spiritual black hole in the world. We have great churches around the world that God's raised up because of that because of the obedience of the American church and others. So God definitely used uh, the United States to impact the world. But the Great Commission is not given to America. It's given to the church. So the, the, the negative side of that comment was it then crossed the line into some nationalism and some pride. Like it, it's all up to us when the Great Commission is for the church. So Pastor... Uh, Kevin doesn't challenge you to be involved in missions because you're Americans, but because you're Christians. Okay? So the Lord gave us a vision that really wasn't totally understood at that time because, again, that was, our men- that was the mentality I grew up with. That was the mentality we had. And, and, and so we went to Argentina, and they kind of had that mentality too. Well, you guys are the ones that send missionaries. We just reach our country. We said, no, God wants you to reach the world. So when we started out, this was our missions program in Argentina, and it took a, a, a number of years to really get going, but after a while, we hit 200 missionaries to 50 nations. So we thank God for that change. So, so people always ask if that's a result of revival, and I say, because Argentina had a great revival in the 1980s, they say yes and no. There are other Pentecostal groups that this is their missions program. So, the, and as well, God called young people through the revival, but the church needed the discipleship. So revival always has to be accompanied by discipleship, or it just fizzles. And, and so 
Then the Lord, so this is one country. And then in 1998, we began working with 20 countries. They asked us to do this on a Latin basis. So we went from one country to 20, kept basing out of Buenos Aires. And then in 2009, they asked us to work on a world level. And now we're working with 104 countries that have a missions department at some stage of, of, of involvement. So that's a little of our context. And now we're based in the US, traveling around the world. And so um, we, because Argentina is so far south and, and just not easy to get to other places. But we want to thank you for your faithfulness. And, and so we, the, the, the scripture I want to use today to talk about this challenge is a well-known scripture, but I want to use it from, look at it from mission's eyes. So it says, for God so loved the world, of course, John 3, 16, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So that's a well-known salvation verse. I want to look at that through mission's eyes this morning, okay? It's a missionary verse too. So that verse is actually reflective of Romans 10, 14, and 15. So Romans 10, 14, and 15 says, and how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news. So when Paul talks here about beautiful feet, he's actually quoting Isaiah 20, 52, 7. says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. So Paul is quoting Isaiah, how beautiful are the feet. So we take... The, the liberty to talk about we need beautiful knees and beautiful hands to send the beautiful feet. So I, Romans 10 and 14 and 15 says you need a goer and you need a sender. In John 3.16, it's an illustration of that principle. We have a goer and a sender. Jesus was a goer, God was a sender. But before you have that process of going and sending, which we'll talk about in a moment, the first important part is that God so loved the world. And that's where it's hard for us because it's not easy for us to love the world because it's not ours. So, you know, you don't, some of you, many of your parents, you know, if you have a child, you know that you don't need to teach a child to be selfish. It just kind of comes with the package that way. So what we try to do is to teach them to be less selfish with time. Until they have their own kids and then they have to, you know, do, go through all the stuff that they did to you when, when, they, when, when they were kids. And then they get really unselfish because when a child is crying at 2.30 in the morning, you can't just say, well, I'm not just going to ignore this child and go back to bed. It doesn't work that way. So um, you get less selfish with time goes on. But... We all have that bit of where it's just me. So I can say my world, I, I, excuse me, I can say my home, my church, my family, my city, my state, my country, it's all mine. But I don't say my world, I say it's the world. And if I ever say my world, I'm not talking about the world. I'm not talking about Europe. I'm not talking about Africa. I'm talking about my home, my house, my family my pastor, my church, my city, my state, my country. And so it's really hard to love the world because it's not mine. 
So if you have a passion for missions in the world, you're abnormally, supernaturally, positively different. You want, you know, you, because it's not natural. You've been touched with supernaturally and you have a supernatural perspective. Because the natural thing is not to care about the world. That's So most Americans don't care about the world. So if you have a passion for the world, you have a supernatural perspective. If you don't, you're normal. But we, want, we don't want to be normal. Peter talks about we're a peculiar people. So we want to march to a different drummer, march to a different beat. So the Lord can change your heart to, to be supernatural and not natural in your perspective of the world. But God, God so loved the world. And so I, I used to wear glasses and then I had a bad cataract in one of my eyes and it was getting hard to even drive. And so I had to have surgery last year. And so now it flipped. I used to be able to see very well, I could read without glasses, I could see close up, but everything further far away was fuzzy, now it flipped, I can see far away, and I need glasses to read. So, the point of it, but, but most of us, we're nearsighted when it comes to the world. We only see what's close. Our world stops here, right here. And, and far away, it's all fuzzy. So what we need is the Holy Spirit to give us his eyeglasses to look at the world through his perspective and not just care about our world, but to see the world. So the, the whole predicate of, of the sending and going that we're going to talk about now in one minute is that God loved the world. If God hadn't loved the world, it would stop right there. If that verse would say, for God did not love the world, then that's it. And there's nothing else that follows. So our challenge is to say, God, help me not to look at the world through my human eyes, but to look at them through your eyes. So then, because God loved the world, we have that says that he gave his one and only son. So in that little phrase, we have, in, so in this little verse, there's four points in this tiny little voice, verse. We already did one of them. The second one is that Jesus was willing to go. So we come back to that. So we have a saying we use for years in Latin America. Missions is done with the feet of those who go, the knees of those who stay and pray, and the hands of those who give. It's a little saying. It's just another way of saying when I was growing up, they'd say you either have a call to go or a call to send. Okay? It's just another way. So in Spanish, it's actually even better than English. Misiones se hacen con los pies de lo que van, las rodillas de lo que quedan y oran, y la mano de lo que dan. In Spanish, it's got punch. In English, it's okay. But missions is done with the feet of those who go, the knees of those who stand praying, the hands of those who give. So it comes back to what Romans says. And how will, you know, you have to have a goer, and you have to have a sender. Jesus was willing to go. What would have happened had Jesus said, I'm not willing to go? So we talk about culture shock. Um, you go from here to India and you go to other countries, go to Latin America, things just aren't like here. You go to places and the roads aren't like here and it's, and they, and, it, and it's maybe a little dirtier than here and the food's not like here and things are different. And so we go through culture shock. It's a term that's used by anthropologists. It's just a well-known term. It, it, you know, culture shock is every culture because you're out of your norm. So in Argentine, they used to kiss on the cheek. They get that from Italy. And they go to another culture and they're real reserved. So that's hard on an Argentine. 
or they love beef and they go to uh, India and there's no beef and it's hard. So they go through culture shock too. Every culture, when you go to another place, you go through culture shock. But the biggest, so missionaries are expected, they teach on culture shock. They tell you how to adapt, they tell you how to change. But the biggest culture shock in history was Jesus coming to earth. Because he left the perfection of heaven and came to this dirty planet filled with sin, filled with contamination. So the big, you know, so Jesus didn't have to, you know, he left, perfection comes here. The biggest culture shock in history, it talks in Philippines too, about how he came and made himself a man and, and, and took on the form, and he knew that he was going to be spit on. He, 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 he made, he took on the form of a, of a man and, 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 Philippians 2, I'll just go ahead. Made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So they, he knew he was going to be spit on, they were going to reject him, they were going to make fun of him, and they were going to eventually kill him, and yet he still, he still came. So Luke 10.2 says, and how uh, the harvest is great, the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth workers in, into his harvest field. So oftentimes we think there's a shortage of funds to do missions. According to the Bible, there's a shortage of workers. And the solution to the shortage of workers is to pray for workers. So I know, I know a little church in North Dakota 50 people, town of 500, they began praying this prayer 67 years ago. They've sent out 17 missionaries over, over the years. One of, our, one of our churches in Argentina, they have 400 people, uh, medium-sized church. They've been began praying this prayer years ago. They had a prophetic word. They began praying this prayer. They've sent out 40 people over, over, over 30 years. They've tied their church. And they've replaced them, of course. But, and so this prayer... Praying the prayer. So my mom passed away last year. She used to always pray this prayer. Very spiritual woman, always woman of prayer. She'd always, she grew up in the Great Depression, one of 12 children. Her mom, that's how they got through the Great Depression. Her mom was a widow with 12 children. And so my mom, you know, she saw that testimony of prayer. She was praying. And she would always pray this prayer, but she would pray it low. She wouldn't pray it correctly. Because she would say, instead of praying it high, she'd pray it low. She'd say, God, raise up more American missionaries. Now, she never said the word American, but she, that's was her, can we come back to that mentality? God has raised up America to the world in the world. So she prayed, God, raise up more missionaries, raise up more missionaries. So she's not praying for Argentina, for missionaries. And Argentina's not praying this prayer. You know, and yet God began to intervene and call young people. And the church didn't know what to do with them, because... But so he called a 17-year-old one time, and she'd been saved for three months, and calls her to Afghanistan, a very difficult country. And she goes to her pastor all excited, Pastor, Pastor, God's called me to Afghanistan. He says, well, you could never do that. We Argentines could never do that. That's something that North Americans and Europeans do. We could never do that. So it's like, you know, bucket of cold water. But Pastor, God called me. So later on, we met her. We said, my wife says, I don't want future generations of pastors telling their young people, you can never do that. So we took... Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge material translated in Spanish and uh, 
challenge young people to have little hands for missions. They could pray for missionaries. They could be missionaries. And we, we had to tell American stories in the beginning because we didn't have Argentine stories 30 years ago. So later on, they had Argentine stories. But in the beginning, we told American ones. And uh, one of my wife's favorite stories when she was growing up in missionettes was uh, Lillian Trash of the Egypt. She, she was engaged to be married. Her husband didn't have a call to missions. She broke off the engagement, goes to Egypt, never had physical children, but had hundreds of, of, of spiritual children and orphans, orphans in Egypt. And they went on to become the seed of the, uh, of the Egyptian assemblies of God. And, 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 and so we had a five-year-old girl being taught that material in the early 90s. And she, God calls her to Africa. And she later on almost died of meningitis. She comes to her from a coma in the hospital bed. Her mom says, you almost died. She said, God wouldn't let me die because he's called me to Africa. So this is from not a culture that had, not a country that had a 70 years of missions history at that time. They had zero years of missions history. So later on, she's there today with her husband and two children in, 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 in a Muslim country in Africa. So God began to call Argentines when my mom is not even praying the prayer correctly. So boy, if God could call a 17-year-old and a 5-year-old from Argentina uh, when no one's praying for Luke 10, 2 prayer, he can keep doing that here. And so let's even take a minute, a pause, and let's pray for, for that prayer for, for here and for other places. So Lord, we pray for this church that you could call forth five-year-olds and 17-year-olds even today. You could call forth young people in another part of this building. We pray to Lord that you would raise up workers. Your word says the harvest is great, the workers are few. We pray that you keep forth calling forth workers from this church. They've already sent. We pray that you call more and more. We pray to Lord that you would call forth workers from Ohio. We pray that you keep calling forth workers from North America, United States, and Canada. But we also pray to Lord that you would raise up Latin workers and African workers and Asian workers and European workers. And there would come a day we could say the harvest is great, but the workers are many. The workers are sufficient. We pray that that would happen in the future, in the last day harvest. We thank you, dear Lord. We pray, dear Lord, that prayer over this church and over this country and over our world. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So Jesus was willing to go. Jesus was willing to go. So then God had to be willing to send them. The third point is God had to be willing to send them. So that was their problem in Argentina. He said, you know, well, we're too poor. You know, we have bad inflation right now in the U.S. I don't like it like you don't like it. But our inflation rate per year is what Argentina is in a month. So they had 100% last year. Hit the news this week. 100% people were really mad. They don't like that. And uh, they're protesting down there. And it's just... Uh, you know, and so they've had bad inflation. I have a bill. When you, when I came to your church in 1999, 2000, there was a, a the, the 50 peso bill would have been worth $50 in Argentina today. It's worth 17 cents. So you know, they they you know they, you get this scarcity. You know, we can't do that. We don't have America's economy, and you know we have a professional person. You know, and we just can't do that. And you get that mentality which is not biblical because the biblical mentality is given it shall be given to you uh i, I can do all things to give him the strength so they would you know well we can't do that because we're too poor but well we, we tithe the church lives the church extends the church plants but you know we can never send a missionary because that's too expensive and and and, and so we had to help the church understand that sending part the praying and the and the sending and the giving and it was exciting to see them learn that and 
you know, little by little, I mean, they've later on hit a million dollars and then they hit two as the church began to realize we can do that. And so just a little, so, but, but first let's talk about prayer for a moment because oftentimes when we talk about missions, we talk about giving and we don't emphasize enough the prayer part. And I want to just encourage you not just to be a giver, but to also be a, a prayer, an interceder. Because there's a difference between prayer and intercession. Prayer has to do with us, intercession has to do with others. So um, sometimes it's easier to give $20 in 20 minutes because we get busy. So I want to challenge you. Uh, in a moment, I'll give a practical illustration on money that we used in Argentina and here. So, but let's do the same thing with prayer. If, if you pray two minutes a day for the world, it, you could pray an hour a month for two minutes a day. So most of us aren't going to do two minutes a day, but if you did 15 minutes a week, it's an, still an hour a month. The point of it is that we don't just pray for our world, but pray for the world. Psalm 2.8 says, Ask of me and I will give you the nations. Your that will give, make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. Ask of me and I will make you, give you the na nations. So our problem is, God says aim high, again, using the word aim high, and we aim low. Say, God, I need that car. My car is not doing well. God, give me that car. So God says, ask me the nations, and you ask him for a car. So some of you maybe really need a car, so I don't want you to feel guilty for asking God for the car. The problem is not asking God for the car or a house or a job or whatever it is. The problem is when we only focus on ourselves and, and, and don't aim high because our little needs are included in the nations. So if we aim high, we can also ask with even more boldness for our needs. Because we're not just focusing on, you know, God, be a Santa Claus and help us and give me this and give me that. No, we're asking God for the nations. So, you know, let me tell you, prayer, in, let me tell you a quick story of an of a intercession that changed a nation. And, and before that, I just want to say, this is of a major league intercessor, okay? So the Cleveland Indians, major league, we used to live in Toledo, they're AAA, love the mud hens, and, uh, and then... Double A, you've got double A, you got single A. I think Akron has a single area, double A, I don't remember which team. And so, and then you have, you know, so we, all of us may not be professional intercessors, but all of us can play summer softball. But let me tell you a story of a professional major league intercessor. He had been a missionary to Bangladesh 35 years. He's now with the Lord. His name was Kelvin Olson. He was living, retired in Wilmer, Minnesota, a town of 14,000, 15,000, 16,000. In the ninth, and God gives him a burden for Albania in 1990, which was the only country in the world that as part of their constitution and bylaws, they were atheistic. The only one in the world. To my knowledge, the only one ever. So communism, Russia, they had, you know, they flirted with atheism and all that. But even then, the Russian Orthodox Church was on. And, 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 and so it wasn't in their constitution and bylaws. It's, it's, so this, this country, there's no churches. There was no God. You know, there's no missionaries. And, and they were one of the most closed countries in the world. It's near Italy and Albania. It's in Europe. It's a little country. So God puts a burden on his heart. He's now retired. He'd lived in Bangladesh, miles. And he, for 90 days, he was pray, praying and fasting for Albania, 90 days. 
So again, he's a major leaguer, you know. But, and his leaders actually went and asked him not to fast because they were concerned about his health. Good intercessors are humble and submissive. He submitted. So he did juice and soup fast for 90 days. The last two weeks were so intense. Some students from North Central Bible College heard about it. They, were, they had a burden for Albania. They were praying together. Back then, they didn't, have, you know, they didn't have all the stuff we do for technology today for communication and probably old-fashioned uh, uh, phone lines. And after 90 days, the Lord released him. It said it's done. Within a couple months, the government of Albania falls. We had missionaries on the ground within a week. Um, YWAM rushes in there. I mean, people are going in there all over from all over the world. And the Assemblies of God of Albania, it's not a large church, but we have over 30 churches. They've actually sent a missionary to Macedonia, even though they only have 30 churches. Coming back to that spirit of, of uh, missions isn't just for the American church. And, uh, and so that, but that battle that was won in the heavenlies was not through strength and bombs and F-16s, but through weakness. So we don't realize how much power we have. So all of you maybe aren't major league intercessors, but we can all play summer softball. You can all pray an hour a month. Some of you can pray an hour a week. Some of you have time, and the Lord could lead you into an hour a day. Now, if you want to pray an hour a day for the nations, don't start out an hour a day. It's like you go to the gym, and you got to build up your muscles. You don't just go out and try to do a, a marathon right away. you got to build up for it. So start out with five minutes and ten minutes. But the point of it is, some of you have time, and maybe, you know, we can, God can use you more as in your in, in, in your age when you're not active then he may be used you in other times of your life it's not by might it's not by power saith the lord of hosts this mountain should become level ground it's true so the point of it is i don't want to i ask you not just to give money to missions but to also give your time and make a promise to the lord an hour a month two minutes a day 15 minutes a week, or however you do. And maybe the Lord will make that into something more. So, beautiful knees. Because we can have all the money in men and women and all the money in the world, and it's not going to see nations change. Got to have those beautiful knees. Then the beautiful hands. That was our challenge in Argentina. They, you know, they said, we're so poor, we can't do this, we can't. So we said, well, what, what if everybody would give a kilo of bread? Or what if everybody give text messages back then? Because back then they'd be charge you for text messages for a while back. And, you know, and what if everybody give 10 text messages a, a, a week to missions? What if everybody give a tea? They have this tea that's really powerful called mate. It's very, makes you, my wife gets dizzy with it. She don't drink it. It's very caffeinated, caffeinated just very strong. And uh, what if you give a tea a day or a tea a week? They drink it all day long. And, and, and so coming up, if everybody does something, we can do a lot. If everybody give a dollar a, 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 a dollar a, a, a month, we could give millions of dollars. So let's not say we can't do it because we're poor. And so the, the, the verse I want to use to challenge us to have beautiful hands on, on giving is a unique verse. It's not Romans 12, 
Two, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So my challenge to you is not to be conformed, but to be transformed, not to be squeezed in the pattern of this world. So we, you know, things are bad right now with inflation and there's a lot of negativity and COVID and all this stuff. And so the, the, the squeezing would be, well, we, you know, things are, we can't do that. And the, and the transform part was, I can do all things to him who gives me strength. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Uh, given it shall be given unto you. We don't let the world squeeze us into its mold, but we become mold breakers. So... You know, just one quick illustration um, of how simple it would be to do, and sometimes we, we use the word faith promise, and so I just want to play on words. What a lack of faith promise would you wouldn't even have, need to have faith just to do something. So I, 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 I'm fascinated by Starbucks because when we went to the field 30 years ago, they weren't around. We come back, and they're cropping up in big cities. And we come back five years later, because we get these four, we go up for four or five years at a time, come back and they're, you know, in airports, we come back and they're in small towns, come, you know, come back and they're across the street from each other in some cities in some places. And they're like weeds in your garden, they just grow everywhere. But what fascinates me, and I actually like it, because a lot of times people want to meet at Starbucks because you don't have to have a meal, you can sit there and have coffee. And I actually like it because if I'm traveling, I can go use internet there. And I like it because I can get a strong coffee, espresso, like we had in Argentina, which is kind of grows on you, it's an acquired taste. So, um, I like it because I can get it there. But what fascinates me about it, where I just, I just don't understand how people like it so much in some ways, because, more, and I realize they have lots of drinks that aren't coffee too, I realize, but their lattes, which you're famous for, it's all milk with a splash of coffee. You can hardly taste the coffee because it's nine-tenths milk. Right. So a latte in the rest of the world is not nine-tenths milk. At the most, it'd be one-to-one, -one, at the most. So only in America do we have nine-tenths milk. So they're, you know, they're probably better for the milk industry than they are for the coffee industry. So, so what's fascinating to me, so if you want strong coffee, you ask for their dopio, which is two double-shot espresso, and you won't like it the first time. So it's an acquired taste. But, um, but that's what the world, that's what Europe drinks, and that's what they drink in Argentina. Not every place, other places drink like, you know, so. Um, I mean, if you go to Perkins or some of those places, or Bob Evans, that's not coffee, it's dirty water, compared to espresso. <laughs> compared to espresso, compared to espresso. It's not real strong. But, it, so anyway, I'm going, Starbucks, they're so smart. What mark, they, they guys, these guys are so intelligent. They're so smart because they convinced a whole generation of young people whose parents couldn't even get them to drink milk and they've talked them into spending $5 in a glass of hot milk <laughs> with a splash of coffee thinking they're, getting, thinking they're drinking strong coffee and they're drinking milk. Paying five bucks for a glass of hot milk. These guys are geniuses. Geniuses. So smart. And whenever I'm in a Starbucks, usually to in the internet or meet with someone or to have my sprawl, and it's, there's 10 cars in the, in the drive-thru. And they're not there for the internet. And they're not there to talk to someone. They're there to get, pay $5 for a glass of hot milk. <laughs> so 
It wouldn't kill anybody to give up a glass of hot milk once a week. You could give $20 a month for, for missions. And if everybody did that, even the United States would give more than they're giving now. So I'm not trying to make you feel guilty for enjoying Starbucks. Um, really, I enjoy Starbucks. Don't want to make you feel guilty for enjoying anything. The, we're supposed to be blessed and enjoy things. The problem is when we get conformed and let those things control us and, and, not, and, and have our hands tied because God is saying we want to be transformed and think differently. So that's what Argentina, they had amazing blessings, great revival, and yet they said, we can't do it, can't do it, can't. And so we broke that mentality, we can't, the scarcity mentality, and, and they said, oh, we can do it. And as missionaries began to go out, they said, we're, 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 this, is, this is amazing. So I, the final point, and I'm closing it with this, John 3, 16, God loved the world, Jesus was willing to go, God was willing to send him, and the result is eternal life. Fruit, churches built, Mercy ministries, uh, campaigns, evangelism, people healed, Bible schools built, and the church advancing. And it all starts because someone loved the world, someone was willing to go, and someone was willing to send. And that simple formula, we love the world, someone's willing to go, someone's willing to send we will make an impact in the world. Lord, we thank you. Earlier we prayed for beautiful feet. Now we pray for beautiful knees and beautiful hands. Pray that you would raise up intercessors. Pray to Lord that you would raise up people who pray for the nations of the world. And I pray that you raise up beautiful hands, hands that will not be conformed to this pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we pray to Lord that you would multiply the giving that's already taken place, we celebrate and have it. new people that have not been part of that in the past become part of it just because we say we're going to do something. And then maybe even the Lord speaks us to do something more. But we just pray to the Lord for beautiful knees and beautiful hands to send the beautiful feet. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. hang out here with me for a second. Um, all right. So I'm going to try to put this in a little bit of context. We, were, we had dinner last night. Me and my wife were talking on the way home, and we wanted to talk about how to, how to best sum this up for you. And uh, remember, I, I read the passage earlier about you plant a seed, just a little seed, small seed, not a great seed, just a little seed. You plant a little seed, and God does what? Makes it grow. So um, when, you, uh, when you left... South Dakota, South Dakota in 1987, actually, because of language school first, yeah. Left, and you went to Argentina, and you arrived in Argentina. You had, you had a seed. God put a seed in your heart mm -hmm. of what you were supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And when you arrived there, they had how many missionaries coming from Argentina? None at that time. None, no. zero, zero. And by the time you left Argentina, well, today, let's just go today. They have about 220. 220 missionaries. But it didn't stop there because uh, you started re replicating that in South America, right? Yep, in Latin America. Latin yep. America, all of Latin America. So when you started, there were how many missionaries? Uh, Maybe a dozen. A dozen missionaries from Latin America going to reach the rest of the world. Uh, and now there are from Latin America? 1,500. 
1,500. To 108 countries. Wow. All right, but you didn't stop there, though, because you went then to Africa, right? To the world, yeah. including Africa. Well, let's do Africa, and yeah. Africa has about... Couple hundred, 237, something like that, 240. There were, what, a dozen when you started? Yeah, probably. All right, and then let's go the rest of the world. Just mm -hmm. give me a number. So in the world, uh, um, there's 2,700 U.S. missionaries, including short-term, but there'd be about double that. Uh, it would be about 6,000 going from all the nations, including Europe, Canada, and around the world. 6,000. Six about about seven to 8,000 total, including the United States. So about 5,000 have been under right. your leadership and influence. Yeah. yeah. When he went, there were maybe 500 missionaries, and now there's 5,000. Because we planted, because we planted a seed. And you said early on, there was, there was some pushback against that, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And be, because he planted a seed, he went with an idea, and that is that these countries were not just receivers of the gospel, they were givers of the gospel, right? You plant a seed, and what you guys don't realize, we're really, really blessed to have this man. This man is, uh, he's in charge of AG missions worldwide, for yes. the entire globe. And it all started because about 40 years ago, you had a seed that said, mm -hmm. these countries yeah. need, these churches need to send missionaries. Mm -hmm. And Hold on, from 500 to 5,000, that's what, about 1,000? Mm -hmm. What is that, 1,000 times growth? Yeah, because of a seed. I, you don't realize the world changer, this man has changed the shape and face of the world by investing what God called him to do. This man has done that, and I think that deserves some respect and honor. Definitely worth our respect and honor. Now, hold on. Can I bring this locally to us? About 30 years ago, 25 years ago, we decided we were going to partner with him in this job. So the thousands of people that have heard the gospel and responded and decided to be missionaries and then gone out and rescued literally thousands of people, their, their moms and dads that are still together, their families where Dad was abusive, he gets saved, he gives his life to Christ, kids are raised under the love of God, churches are, are founded, people's lives are changed. All of that happened because not only one man invested the seed that God planted in his heart, but because you participated by investing in this man who's sharing the seed around the world. Literally, there it is not an understatement to say there are literally tens of thousands of people whose lives are better today. They are saved on their way to heaven and their lives are changed because you, we as a church, gave a few dollars and a guy invested his life. And sometimes you wake up in the morning and you think, what I do, who I am, it just doesn't matter. I think you have too small of a view of yourself. I think you have too small of a view of your mustard seed. Because when you invest you and what you can do, it has lasting results 
forever around the world. That's the reason we challenge you to give to missions here. Because at Harvest Ridge, every single penny given to missions goes to missionaries. Did you all hear what I said? Every penny. How many of it? How much of it? Every penny. Every penny. So when we support missionaries through a gift, and we ask you to make a pledge and to do something to missions, to give to missions, it goes to people like this who make a change in the world. And the next time you feel guilty that you've done nothing with your life, I want you to know if you put $5 in an offering plate, you help change the world. It's a seed, but it matters. I think it would be appropriate if we would take that second step and we would pray. I think we should pray for Brad. I mean, you've got a few more years left to go, right? He's in charge of the, the, the Assembly of God World Missions. You're on the, what, what's the official title? Okay, he's got a big title. He's got a big job. And I think it'd be appropriate if we prayed for God to use him in a very powerful way for the next several years. Wouldn't that be great? All right. Father, we thank you for Brad. We thank you that he is a man of God and he had vision. And um, that vision he planted as a seed in one place, in one country, in one country's soil. And it sprouted and grew. And then other people noticed, and that seed got planted in other places, and it sprouted and grew. And what started as a small thing has impacted, literally, it is not an understatement to say, it has impacted the entire world. Because one guy was faithful. And I pray, Lord, that you bless him, that you'd keep his health up. I pray you'd enable him to be able to travel and go through all the things he has to do. And this past, this upcoming week, he's going to be doing some speaking as well in a, in a place in the world. And, and he told me last night, he's got to yell at him. He's got to tell him to get, come on, let's get going. And God, I pray that there'd be an anointing on him as he yells at him, as he, that there would be an anointing from the Holy Spirit that people would see and catch the vision. That God, we are not called to be receivers of the gospel. We're called to be transfers of the gospel and plant our seeds. And I pray, Father, that you would enable him to, to speak and power and the anointing you've done for 30 years now, 40 years now, do it again, do it again. And that God, I pray your, your kingdom would grow because of him. Bless his family, bless his wife, bless his kids, his grandbaby. And I pray Lord that he would live in your blessing. We pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. say this, this gospel message is not just good news out there, it's good news here. It is good news that says to you and to me that we have a purpose and a calling for our life. And if you are in this space today and you have not embraced the fact that God called you by name, God sent his only son to die for you, that you could have eternal life. For you, for you to have eternal life. This isn't just a message for out there only. It's a message for you right here, right now. God loves you. He wants you to have eternal life with him. Not just eternal, focus on that, but life starting now that goes into eternity. And that's the message of the cross of Jesus is that he paid the price so you and I can live free. And I want to invite you today to step into that. And if you haven't uh, made Jesus your Lord, I want to give you an opportunity right
right now. I'd like everybody just to bow your heads with me. I, I, I want to invite you. If you've not made Jesus your Lord and you want today to receive his eternal life, to receive his love, to receive the fact he has a purpose for you, that you have a seed of your life to sow that can make an eternal difference. God's got a plan and a purpose for you. And you want to say today, Jesus, I receive your plan and purpose. I, I right now, I give my life to you completely. If that's you, just lift your hand. I want to pray with you around this room. If that's you, it's your day. Yes, yes. Are there others? Yes. Lord Jesus, you see these hands right now. I pray that right now you would grant your salvation, you grant your purpose, grant your fullness, God, that these lives now would live in your fullness in the name of Jesus. table back there in the back. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, why don't you drop by the table and see somebody. There's uh, somebody back there that would love to spend some time talking with you today. Hey, um, you know, it's always uh, a good time for me to remind you that we as a church, we care about our community. We care about our world. We want to be givers. We want to be goers. There's some of you, you might be called into missions and you've been fighting it your entire life. If that's you, come on, God can use you. Uh, you might be like Lillian Thrasher, break up with your boyfriend and go. That's fine. That's fine. God's got a bigger call on your life than you look just like everybody else in this world. God's got a bigger call on your life than for you to look like everybody else in this world. Lord Jesus, bless us this week as we walk out that calling. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.